This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by the New York Roadrunners Virtual Halfway There Half Marathon. Go to nyrr.org slash virtual racing slash alley to learn more about why you should run this 13.1 miler. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. It is bonus episode day. I didn't want to wait to release this episode because I'm so thrilled to have Emily Sisson on the show today. Emily is a professional runner for New Balance, and she's pretty much had the best year ever on the run. Let's talk about why. In January, she ran a 107 at the Houston Half Marathon, just five seconds short of a new American record in the distance. Then in April, she made her marathon debut at the London Marathon. Emily ran a 2.23 that day. She finished in sixth place and became the seventh fastest U.S. woman ever at the marathon distance. Her time was also the second fastest marathon debut by an American woman. Then this summer, Emily competed in the 10,000 meter race at the USA Track and Field Nationals and landed a very coveted spot on the U.S. team headed to World Championships in Doha later this month. I was super pumped to get to have this conversation with Emily, who trains in Providence, Rhode Island, but called in from Arizona, where she and training partner Molly Huddle are currently training at Altitude. We talked about that. We talked about what her training looks like right now. We talked about where her head is at leading up to the 2020 Olympic marathon trials. And of course, we talk about dogs. So this is a fun one. Let's get to it. Emily Sisson, welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I am thrilled to get to sit down with you today. Thanks for being here all the way from Arizona. Hi, yeah, thank you for having me. All right, we start every episode of the Alley on the Run show like I'm sure you started your run today. We start with a nice, easy warm-up. So tell us who you are, (laughs) where you're from, and what it is that you do. Um, Well, my name's Emily Sisson. I I guess I'm kind of from all over. We kind of travel a lot during the year, but uh, my training group is based in Providence, Rhode Island, and that's where my husband and I lived for pretty much the past eight years. And then I've been spending a lot of time out in Arizona now, uh, in between Scottsdale or Phoenix, I guess, and uh, I'm in Flagstaff right now. So uh, we do travel quite a bit, and we're kind of a little bit all over, but I've been training for the 10K and Doha, the world championships right now. Um, I also ran my first marathon this year. So I'm kind of, and I'm getting ready for a 5k next week. So, (laughs) so I kind of do a little bit of, uh, I do a lot of different events, I guess. Yeah. That's so cool. From the 5k to the marathon all in one year, I'm obsessed with the, the transition of your career though. I guess it's kind of an evolution because you haven't left the old stuff in the past. You're still doing the 10k. You're still doing the 5k. So We're going to get into all that. But first, when we were scheduling this, you mentioned that you had quite a grueling run on the schedule today. Tell me, how was your run today? Oh, it was good. I actually had my days mixed up. So I I only had an easy eight this morning. I thought I had a longer run, but that was yesterday. Um, Yeah, I had just an easy eight this morning with my friend, um, Rachel Schneider, who's also getting ready for Doha right now. Yes. Um, And then I'll do an evening run later. So yeah, I got those, I got those uh, days mixed up actually. Sorry about that. (laughs) Well, no, but an easy eight, that sounds wonderful. So with stuff like, you know, you're, you're training at altitude, you're with the team. So when you have something on your schedule, like an easy eight, is your coach saying, all right, and here's the route you're going to run? Or is it just, Hey, I need you to get in eight miles and you're free to do that wherever you want. Oh yeah. It's just free to do wherever you want like whatever pace really, I don't really worry about my pace on easy days, just be, especially up at altitude because I'm, I do run a bit slower on my easy days up here because training up here is just so much harder. So, um, everything's harder. The workout's harder. Um, even just like walking up the stairs is harder. Everything, <laughs> everything's harder up here. So, um, I take, I take my easy days pretty easy and I don't really worry about pace. I just get in the miles. So we do, we talk about training at altitude whenever we're talking to professional athletes. And, you know, we mentioned it in passing, oh, I'm at altitude right now. Can you talk really about what that's like? Is it like you flew from Providence, you get off the plane in Arizona, you go for that run and you're just gasping for air? Like, what does it actually feel like to do your training at altitude? Does it get easier or is every day just like I am in the clouds? It, it does get easier and it does really depend on the person. Um, and I, this is my third time coming up here and I do think each trip it's gotten a little bit easier. That first time, that's how I felt like I just went for my first run and I was like, Oh wow, this is hard. (laughs) I cannot breathe. Um, but now I'm getting to the point where like, it's not, 
as hard. It's definitely not as hard as that first trip, but I'm still not able to run the same pace as I run at sea level. But what um, me and Molly do is we will do most of our just regular runs, our easy days up here and our long runs up at 7,000 feet in Flagstaff, but we'll drive down to Sedona. It's only like 50 minutes away and we'll do our track workouts and tempos um, down at like 4,000 feet. So it's not, um, so it's not as high. So we're able to get like better quality workouts in or just faster workouts, I guess I shouldn't say better quality because you can get <laughs> quality workouts up here, but, um, I, we can just get faster, um, do faster intervals and do a pace. We probably won't be able to run up here. And so you mentioned a pace you wouldn't be able to do up here. Are you training at specific paces at altitude or is it mostly effort-based? Um, for regular runs, it's just effort-based, but for like, I think we did, um, one K repeats last workout. I'm trying to remember, or maybe there were two mile repeats. Um, those we do try to hit a certain pace and it's easier to get, um, closer to the times our coach wants us to hit down in Sedona. And he would adjust it if we were working out up here, we'd do them slower, but we kind of want to be able to run them faster since we're getting ready for a 10 K in Doha. So we want our legs to just be able to have that turnover, but yeah, no, I kind of like doing it. It's a lot of driving, which is the downside, but but I do like the kind of living high train low thing that we've been that we've been doing the last four weeks. So when you go back to Providence, are are you just going to feel like you're flying? I mean, you're flying anyway, because you're literally a professional fast runner. But when you get back, is that first run going to be like, I'm killing it? It does feel like that sometimes you're like, wow, this is so easy. <laughs> um, but then often, like, I think after like a few days, you actually go through like a little bit of like a funk. It's so strange. You'll like feel really good when you come down to sea level. And then I don't know if it's just your body's like, what's happening? I don't know what's going on. But um, there'll be I'll always have like one really bad workout, or at least the last two times I've come down. I've had like one just really random bad workout, I think like a week or so after I've come down. Um, I think your body's just trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and, um, but then, yeah, no, usually the first couple of days you come down from altitude, like I feel pretty good. Um, but I think it really depends. I've only done that. This is only my third time doing it. So I'm trying to learn a bit more each time. So, uh, but usually or that's how I felt in the past anyway, that it just feels a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> and will you get back out there before the trials in February? Um, yeah, we're talking about that. We might actually come back out in November or December. Um, I do like getting like they talk about that, like boost you get. Um, the first time I go, came up here, I got no like no improvement at all. <laughs> um, but then the second time I got a significant boost and I felt pretty good coming down. So it, that is nice. But I don't think it's like the be all end all. Um, I was meant to come up before London this year, but the weather just wasn't great. And then I had some other stuff going on that I just like really didn't want to leave sea level for. So I kind of decided that it wasn't worth coming up here because the, I don't know, getting the boost didn't outweigh all the other stuff that I wanted to get done in that marathon buildup. And, um, I didn't want to have to compromise my training with all the snow and bad weather. And I think it still like paid off really well. So, um, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think, like, I think it can be really helpful and important, but it's not, I don't think the most important thing, um, necessarily, but it does help. It, it is good to like come up here. And I think there are other benefits too. Like it helps your running economy and other, there's some other benefits. I don't really know exactly what they are, but, um, but yeah, it is good to come up for like four or five weeks. But. And why Arizona? I mean, we know that certain, you know, certain teams do their altitude training in Mammoth, certain teams go to Flagstaff for you, for Molly, for uh, your training group. Why is it Flagstaff? Yeah, I think it's just convenient because um, we spend our winters out. Well, actually, now I spend a lot of time out in Phoenix. Um, but since we spend so much time out in Phoenix anyway, um, it's just easier for us to come up here since it's only two hours, two and a half hours north of Phoenix. Um, and we kind of just have like, like we're just used to coming out here and we have like our chiropractor down in Phoenix that we can see if anything comes up and, um, like having my husband being able to travel with me has been huge. So if we base ourselves in Phoenix then he can drive up to Flagstaff with me, um, for these like month long stints and then just go back down to Phoenix when we're done. And so he doesn't, um, so I think that's why it really works well for me and my husband anyway is it's just like convenience, I guess, but we do really like Flagstaff too. It's, it's beautiful and it's, um, refreshing. It's amazing how different, um, like 
of a scenery it is up here compared to just like two hours or even an hour south just that change in elevation it's just so diverse (laughs) all right we need to talk about you and your husband he paces you for your workouts i Mm -hmm. i literally my husband and i can't even run a 5k together because we're either competitive or we're just (laughs) like i don't know we just don't have that good (laughs) that good runner bond talk to me about your husband how this came to be what he does for a living how you met just i want to know everything about your relationship oh yeah no it's uh, it's actually it's been working out really well so my husband and i uh, we just got married uh, just about a year ago, um, but we've been dating for, I think, the past eight years. Yeah, so we've been together for eight years. We met in college at Providence College, and we were both, um, you know, Division One runners. And um, and then when we both graduated, I I kept running, and he, he was running a bit as well, but he really found something he loved, and um, he went on and got his master's in mental health counseling, and he's actually right now working on his second master's um, and he's doing that full-time online. So that's why he's able to travel with me quite a bit. And uh, so we were just kind of both doing our own thing. And um, he was working in Providence and he's working at like, um, how do I describe it? Well, he did have a job or an internship at a special needs school working with children, but then he also had a part-time job um, in a hospital working with children in the psychiatric unit. And it's something he's really good at. Um, so while he was doing that, I was kind of traveling all over running. And, um, so we weren't together that much. And then last year he just was like, why don't I just like do school full time, move out, um, to be with you and train with you. And we just like invest in your career for this next year, like going into the Olympic year. And, um, so it was really his idea and it's, it's worked out so well, like having him for like all my workouts, like pacing them, helping me with long runs. And there's like, it's not even just pacing. There's so much stuff people don't realize that goes on behind the scenes that, um, that he helps me out with. And, and it's, I think it can be kind of hard cause you don't really see everything he does, but like, I don't know, everything I've accomplished this year has been just like what we've done together. Um, like I wouldn't have been able to do it without him, him, like, I guess, going all in like he did and helping me out. So, um, and at the same time, he's still getting his degree. So we're setting him up well, um, hopefully for when he wants to get back and he would, he'd love to be working right now if he could, which he, he could, sorry, that's confusing, but, um, we're trying to set him up well too, so that he can have his dream job too. That's amazing. And I am in love with both of you and need to have you on the show together and need to have him on to talk about all the work that he's doing. That's I think that's just such important and amazing work. You mentioned, tell me about some of the behind the scenes stuff. Let's shine some light on it so that we can give some love where there needs to be love. It's a lot of stuff. and It's not super like it's not super fun all the time. It's like it's like doing all my long runs and bottles and driving like so when I'm up in Flagstaff I will go down to see my chiropractor once like every 10 days or so and he's the one that's driving the five-hour car trips and uh, pretty much anything that comes up that like isn't running related he like just is on top of like he he just kind of does all the extra stuff that um, when I'm running 100 miles or 115 miles a week, I don't have the energy for. And that really helped out in the marathon buildup too, because I think a couple weeks into my marathon buildup, I had some stuff going on where I wasn't able to sleep as well. And so I like wasn't getting great sleep. And then he, I was like, I have no energy because I'm trying to run 115 miles a week. And he just like, I've got this, like, um, I'll like help out with this stuff. So so it's just like, it's a lot of like kind of mundane, like not so fun stuff, but it like all the little things they do like pay off and um, just having him help and be there for all that stuff has just like made a huge, has helped me make a huge jump this year, I think. Well, yeah, let's talk about that jump. You've had such an exciting year on the run. It's been Thanks. so fun to watch. I want to talk about some of the highlights, like we could talk about the 223 marathon debut in London. We could talk about making the U.S. world team in the 10,000 meters. What? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I, and I could go on. What, looking at the past year, what stands out to you the most? Thanks. Yeah, it's actually, I've been very lucky. It's been a really good year. I think... 
Um, it just started off well, I think, in Houston with that half marathon going pretty well. And then um, and then the whole like to me, the main event this year was the marathon. And that so I guess that's done now. But uh, that whole build up, I, I was pretty fortunate. I didn't really have any big injury, like major injuries or setbacks come up. So I'll be really lucky if I ever have a marathon build up like that again, um, where like everything did. I was able to do every run and every workout. Um, so like that went well. And then London was just amazing. Um, I think I don't. I think there's something special about the first marathon you do. And, and that one felt very special to me. So my whole family was there. Shane was there, my husband. Um, and I don't know, it's just been really good. And then coming back, it was hard bouncing back on the track. That was a little more difficult than I expected, but now getting ready for worlds in Doha, um, it, it has been a very good year. So, um, yeah, I do, I do feel pretty lucky. All right. I love talking. Listen, I love all distances. I think there is so much respect for (laughs) everything from the 100 meters to the marathon to ultras. But I love talking about the marathon in particular. So I want to talk a little bit more about London, if we can. You already mentioned you ran a 223, which I think that we need to make sure that everyone listening knows that time was the second fastest marathon debut by an American woman. It made you the seventh fastest U.S. woman ever at the distance in your first marathon. Have you fully processed all that? Um, yeah, I thank you. I think so. It, it definitely, it took me like a day or two after I finished it. Um, just cause I'm sure, you know, like the marathon you build up for like months and then like it's, then you run it and it's over and it just, I don't know. I think it, it took me like a day or two to process it. Um, just cause we had such a long buildup going into it. Um, but wait, I'm sorry. What was the question again? It was, Oh, have uh, you fully pro I mean, you just, it was such an amazing debut yeah. that has it all sunk in. It, yeah, it has. And if anything, it's just made me really excited to do another marathon. Um, I think that's really positive coming off the first marathon and wanting to do another because the marathon's just so hard and the training's really, it's just really tough. And um, it's just a grind. Like you'll hear, hear people say that all the time. Um, and I did really enjoy it. Um, but I think you need to really like be motivated and excited for it. I don't think you can just go through the motions and do all that training and not be excited about doing the marathon because it's just so hard. <laughs> so I definitely feel excited to do another one. And I like, I honestly can't wait to kind of get back into that training. Um, I'm, I'm excited for Doha and doing the 10 K, but then I really kind of want to just get back to the marathon. So what were your expectations for London? Because listen, everyday athletes, we get to say, Oh, it's my first marathon. No time goal. Just going to see what happens. <laughs> Professional athlete. I imagine you don't quite get that kind of the freedom or the I'll just run it for fun kind of thing. Yeah. What were your goals, expectations, hopes, dreams? Well, I like to be honest, the marathon just has so many different variables. I really just wanted to walk away from it being like, okay, I gave it my all. And like, I had a good first experience and I came close to to at least like at least close to my goals I set for myself. Um, but like, like I said, I think it's just hard cause there's so many different variables that can affect a marathon that you do have to get a little bit lucky too, I think. Cause I mean, you could just say, Oh, like the person that works the hardest is going to run the best, but I don't think that's necessarily true. Cause at this level, everyone works really hard. <laughs> you can't just say, Oh, she just works the hardest. Like, um, everyone, all the elite athletes on that starting line, everyone had their, like their own challenges and their buildup and had to kind of overcome those. And everyone has their own story and, and the marathon's hard. So it, it makes you tough. And, um, and that's one thing I took away from the buildup was like, Oh, I'm tough. Like that wasn't easy, but you know, good job. You handled that well. So, um, I just wanted to have a really good first experience and, um, I wanted to run fast. Like that was the goal going in because London is a fast course. And, and I am really pleased with how it went overall. Um, I remember at first I was like, Oh, I actually wanted to run a little bit faster. <laughs> but, um, but then like a day or two later, I'm like, no, that was really good. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm the, like competitive, like a little bit of a perfectionist in me was like, Oh, we went out a little too slow. <laughs> but I mean, I think that was a great first marathon and I'm really happy and thankful it went that well. So we know that you train with Molly Huddle and we'll talk a lot more about that in a bit, but knowing that, you know, she has all, she's also relatively new to the marathon, which seems crazy because for some reason in my head, I think, oh, Molly's been running marathons forever. She's also pretty new to the distance. Did she give you any advice or any thoughts as a fellow somewhat newcomer to the marathon distance as the two of you were training? The 
I mean, to be honest, our training was actually quite different in the marathon buildup because we have very different strengths. So we mostly like right now we're doing all of our workouts together, but in the marathon buildup, we didn't. Um, so the best piece of advice she gave me was actually like five minutes before the start of the marathon. She just turned to me and was like, just focus on the next like bottle station. And I thought that, and I actually used that advice during the race because I was on my own for the last 13 miles. And when you break the race up into five K's and you just think about the next station, the next bottle station, it like, it made it much more manageable. Um, so when I was on my own, that's what I just remembered. I was like, okay, just, just think of, you only have to go two more miles and then you get a bottle. And then it just broke it up. And I thought that helped a lot. So that was the one piece of advice she gave me right before the marathon. And I thought that was pretty good. (laughs) So why was the timing right? Why was this the year? Why was this spring? Why London? Why was all of that the time for you to move up to the marathon? Yeah, I think, I mean, I know we, we talked about it. Um, we've been talking about it for a few years, me and my coach Ray. Um, but the timing just seemed right now because next year is the Olympic year. And we're like, well, if, you want to do the marathon trials next year, you need to do a marathon this year to see how you handle it. Um, and he thought doing my first marathon in the fall would be too close. So we're like, let's find a spring marathon. And Molly was doing London. So I was kind of like, I kind of want to do what she does because at least even though our workouts didn't sync up all the time, like it was still nice sharing like those regular runs and the long runs in the build up together. Um, so that was a big motivation to do that one. Um, and it was also one I was just really excited about. Um, that's actually another piece of advice Molly gave me, um, before I started my marathon buildup, before I even knew which one I was doing, she was like, pick one you're excited to do just because it is so tough. You want, um, to be like excited and motivated during that buildup, because if you, if you pick one, you're not excited about it, it's going to be really hard. <laughs> um, and London to me just sounded very exciting. So that's why we chose that one. All right. So you mentioned that the bounce back after was a little hard. You actually, you scratched, you were going to run the mini 10 K here in New York in June. I know. You didn't run it. (laughs) Tell me about that decision because then you came back and you got a spot on the U S 10,000 meter team and you're going to world. So we know that your bounce back (laughs) works out well, ultimately, but tell me about scratching from the mini and what that looked like for you. I know that was so tough because I really wanted to do the mini. Um, but it was like actually like a fluke thing. Like I, I tripped off a curb and, um, and I like kind of was like running funny and I was like, uh, like, I don't know if I can do this race, but I really want to. Um, and I just talked with my people that like, um, that's, I surround myself with my, like, uh, my coach, my chiropractor, my husband. And, um, and they were like, yeah, <laughs> um, you should probably, you probably shouldn't do this race. And I really wanted to, cause I love doing New York Roadrunners events. Um, they just do such a good job putting on all their races. And those are actually like my favorite races I've ever run well, London has to be one of them, but then like the New York half and like the New York 5k last fall, like they're just amazing. Like the atmosphere in New York and just running through Central Park and Times Square, like you can't beat that. So, um, so I was really bummed I had to pull out of that one, but, um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the right call and they were really great about it. I still went and went to the events that week uh, that they had, uh, cause I think it was global running day that weekend. Yeah. So I went to a few events they put on. <laughs> yeah. And that was really fun, but it was a little hard being there and not racing. So yeah, I remember you held the finish line <laughs> tape for something. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I did do that. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, I really want to do that one. So maybe, maybe next, next year. year. Yeah. yeah. And you'll have to do, you know, maybe the New York City half again. I feel like that race is your jam because I know that the the two times that I was out spectating, you got second. So yeah, pretty good, pretty good race for you. I love that one. It's always, it was always so cold the years I did it, but it was, I was always like freezing. We'd be coming from Arizona where it was like 75 and it was like, I think 30 and windy in New York. And I'm like, Ooh, this is going to be cold, but, but you can run well in the cold. You just don't like it but you can do it um Um, so (laughs) well new york we would always love to have you back so but doha is your next rate well other than the 5k doha is the next big one Uh, so tell me about what your training right now looks like how do you tailor your training for a race like that 
Yeah, so um, it, it's funny because usually there's not this much time between USAs and Worlds. So we've actually, I think we had like seven, over seven weeks between the two. So we, um, we've we actually been training pretty hard. I think we've been doing like 100 mile weeks up here. And so like I, I do feel tired, and but I'm excited to kind of come back down and freshen up a bit. So we're going to do this 5K. Um, it's Kyle Merber's Long Island Mile. Oh, yeah. um, we asked if we could do a 5K. So they're kind of, uh, they're let, he was great about it. He's letting us add a 5K onto his event. Um, so we're it's just going to know kind people. Of, I, know, I know. So we're doing that to kind of just freshen up. And um, we hope it goes well. But uh, it's kind of just going to be like a rust buster from the, the training up here. And um, just like breaking up all the all the tough training up at altitude so we're gonna come down and do that and then just try to freshen up before we head to doha um so yeah that's the plan so you say we a lot who's we is that you and so, molly you molly ray yeah. you molly rachel who's who's the we? i guess i, I do I, I guess earlier i was referring to we as like me and my husband with our training but right now i'm referring to we as me and molly and i don't know I how this. i just assumed you would know but well, that, i mean in all honesty that is what that, i assumed but yeah you know, i like to clarify and i also think that that's sweet that molly is interchangeable with your husband yeah, I can. I say I do that a lot. I just assume everyone like knows what I'm talking about. I was talking to my husband earlier today about something. He's like, "You need to be specific. <laughs> You're confusing me." Um, but yeah, no, we as in me and Molly. <laughs> I love it. And will your husband be able to go to Doha with you? He will. Yeah, he's yeah. coming to Providence for a few days um, as well, which will be nice because um, we still have a lot of friends in in Rhode Island. Um, so we'll go to Providence and then we'll fly directly from Boston to Doha. We'll go there. Um, yeah. And then race. <laughs> All right. So then after Doha, what's life looking like for, for Emily Sisson and her training log? Yeah. So actually my husband and I are finally getting around to taking our honeymoon. So we're going to do that. It'll be just really short. Like, I think it's like, I don't know, maybe like five and a half, six days, um, which will be nice to kind of just like re- relax and reset. And then we'll come back out to Arizona and then kind of just get ready. I don't know what races I'll do in the fall, um, but I guess we'll just be getting ready for that marathon buildup because that'll be just around the corner. It's amazing how quickly that's coming up. All right. So two important questions. Number one, the marathon buildup, that's for the trials or you're not throwing in a fall marathon, are you? No, that's okay. for the trials. Yeah. So because Doha's so late, right. I don't think we're back until like the first or second week of October. So um, so all the marathons, I guess, except for CIM will pretty much be wrapping up by then. All right. Um, and then the second very important follow-up question, where's the honeymoon? Oh yeah. We're going to Greece. So <gasps> yeah, I'm so excited. We, we were just looking on the map and we're like, where's on the way back from Doha? And, and we're like, Greece looks like it's on the way back. So, um, we're going to Santorini for like four days, I think, and Athens for two or something like that. Um, and then just flying back. Oh, that'll be so, so amazing. Good. I'm happy for you. Yeah. No, we, I'm excited too. Thanks. We, we were like, we'll get around to taking our honeymoon someday. And we're like, we, we should just make time for it. Yeah. <laughs> Anniversary trip. Yeah, exactly. One year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I think that, you know, we have to talk a little bit about the 2020 trials. I try not to put it out yeah. there too much. There's no pressure on it yet. We've got lots of time. But when we're talking about the 2020 Olympic marathon trials and the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, your name comes up a lot when people are talking about what 2020 could look like for the U.S. women. How much is that on your mind? Is there any pressure there? What does that look like for you? Um, I mean, it's in the back of my mind, but I wouldn't say it's like something I think about all the time right now, just because we have Doha coming up first. Um, we have just things that we need to, to accomplish. And by we, I mean me and Molly, <laughs> we have things before the trials. Um, so I think um, it's in the back of my mind, but um, because it is going to be here like before we know it, but um, definitely don't feel the pressure yet. And Um, I do feel pretty lucky with London. I never felt that much pressure for that race. I know in an Olympic year, it's going to be different. There's definitely going to be pressure there, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. I was talking to a couple people just yesterday about the marathon trials and just how deep women's marathon running is in the U S right now. And I was just like, it's crazy. Like we're going to have like world-class athletes not make our team. Like it's just that deep right now. Um, and also just on other really good athletes. Um, so 
So it's going to be tough and I've seen the course and the course is tough, but I mean, I have a feeling this is my first Olympic marathon trials. Um, I have a feeling every single time there's something tough about it. Like it's never easy. It's never a given. So, um, I'm just hoping I can stay healthy and be able to do the training I want to do because, um, I do love the marathon and I want to, I, I do feel like my future's in the marathon. Um, and I want to, I want to do a bunch of them. So, um, so yeah, I think, um, I'm excited about it, but, um, I'm just trying to focus on right now getting through Doha and what I can do to kind of, um, go into that marathon build up already strong and hopefully be able to, um, stay as healthy as I was that first one. Cause I do feel like I got very lucky with the first marathon build up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really cool to picture that starting line at the trials where there are going to be, you know, there's something like 300 women that will be running. Yeah. And when we think about who's going to be at the very front there, we have you, we have Molly, we have, you know, maybe Des, we don't know yet. We have Steph Bruce, Sarah Hall, J- Jordan Hesse, so many amazing women that are really appealing to the average runner right now in that, you know, we get to follow all of your training on social media. We kind of feel attached. We're rooting for all of you. And I know that, again, speaking as the average runner, we look at all of these American female marathoners and we're like, you all seem really supportive of each other. And it seems like a really cool time to be in that group. Can you talk about that a little bit? I know that, um, you know, I just want to know what's that like being in that pack right now? I do think we're pretty lucky. I keep saying we're lucky. <laughs> I do think we're pretty lucky in that a lot of um, the distance runners are extreme. And I mean, other events too are very nice. Um, I just surround myself with distance runners. But like you mentioned a bunch of runners and I know them all actually like, like I could have a conversation with any of them and ask them for advice. And um, another one is like Amy Craig, who's going to be really good. And she's also someone really nice. I've like, I remember when she trained in Providence, I would ask her for advice. Um, she was running with like Molly and, um, it it is pretty, I think unique. Um, I remember in my first marathon build up, uh, Des was training in, uh, in Scottsdale that winter. And I kind of ran into her one day and I just started running with her. And I was like talking to her about the whole like bottle situation with marathons. I'm like, I am really struggling with fueling for some reason, nothing is sitting well in my stomach. Like, it's just like everything just makes my stomach feel awful. <laughs> um, do you have any advice? And she did, she gave great advice. I asked her and I asked, I think Meb was the other person I talked to. Um, and they both gave me great advice that helped me, um, like prepare for the marathon with that. Cause that was one thing I like was not confident about. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through 26 miles when I can't get through a long run stomaching <laughs> these, what I'm taking right now. So, um, I, I do think it's a pretty unique situation. Um, but I think it just, like we are pretty lucky to seem everyone seems pretty nice for the most part. So yeah, I don't know why exactly that is, but, um, I I don't know if it's just our sport attracts these kind of people or if it's just the culture, um, is, uh, but I think it's really great, especially for younger girls, like in high school and college to see, um, that you, like you can see other people's success and acknowledge it and be supportive of it. Um, while still having your own goals without feeling the need to like tear people down to build yourself up, if that makes sense. Cause I think that's something younger girls, um, like that's a message I would like to send, I suppose. Yeah. For Don't know sure. if that made sense. <laughs> no, it does. And I love it. And also we're going to need you to share the wealth here. What did Des and Meb tell you? How are you fueling? Shh, tell us everything. Yeah. So, uh, I remember the one thing Meb told me, well, he taught me about like when to take caffeine during the race and when not to, um, cause that can upset your stomach. And then, he, so one thing I was doing wrong, the whole buildup was I would get my bottle of water and I would just t- try to chug it. Cause I was like, Oh, like I don't want to be carrying this that long. I'll just like chug this water and throw it aside. Um, or like whatever was in my bottle. And, and he was like, no, just, like you don't need to do that. Just get like a small, easy to carry bottle and just like sip it. You don't need to like, um, drink it really fast. So I got these really small, um, bottles and that were like really lightweight. And that's what I did. I would just like sip on it and not like force it down. And that made a huge difference. Um, and then, uh, when I talked to Des, she kind of told me a little bit more about the ratio of like, um, gel to water that worked for her. Cause what I was doing was like, like a pretty, um, concentrated mix. And so she was like, Oh, that's probably a little too concentrated. You should probably dilute it a bit. And so, um, so yeah, it's amazing how you can just like ask people for advice and they're really like willing and nice, like ready to give it. So yeah, those are two things I remember. 
uh, right. specifically asking about. <laughs> All right. So if someone is training for their first marathon and sees you out on the run and is somehow able to keep up with you and runs <laughs> alongside you and is like, Emily, hey, I'm training for the New York City Marathon this year. Do you have any advice for me? What would your advice be to pass along to a fellow first timer? <laughs> It would not be hard to keep up with me. My easy days, I'm not like running very fast. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think I suppose I've only done one. So I'll, like my like advice would just be from that first experience. Um, and I think the most important advice is like with marathon training, you probably need to learn to be flexible um, because you're training for three months and um sometimes actually no i'm sorry i'm getting overwhelmed with like four pieces of advice now that i can think of um that people gave me <laughs> and i'm like wait that's a good one too we'll take it uh, all <laughs> okay yeah so i think being flexible is important um because you are training for like three months and for me it was more like five or six because we did like a build up to the half marathon first um and it's not going to be perfect and smooth the entire way you're going to have little like hiccups in it um and like but that's the thing is no one's build up is perfect everyone has their own little things that pop up and, and hopefully that's all they are. They're just little things like, um, getting sick or like for me getting sick, sometimes that like makes me miss a workout or, um, even two sometimes. Cause I don't, I feel like my immune system's not super strong. So that's something that can be annoying. Um, but like, or like rolling an ankle or things like that, you're going to have little things pop up in the marathon buildup. And, um, I think just knowing it's not perfect for anyone and you kind of just have to do your best to roll with it. Um, and adjust along the way. I think that's very important. But wow, actually, yeah, I feel like I've gotten a lot of good advice off a lot of people. So um, that was just the first one that came to my head, I guess. That's good. Um, I like that you pay it forward. We'll take yeah, it all. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I feel like I, I learned a lot from that first one. Um, so I'm very curious after I do like a couple more, like how much more I'll learn. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I definitely picked up a lot that first time. Time for a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. Right now is prime marathon training time if you have a 26.2 mile race on the calendar this fall. Whether you're gearing up for that TCS New York City Marathon or another fall race, you know that getting those long runs in is absolutely key. So enter New York Roadrunners, here to motivate you and help keep you accountable. But before you think, I'm not in New York or I'm not running the New York City Marathon, Full stop. This message is still for you. The New York Roadrunners virtual race series is absolutely dominating the virtual race space. It has been so cool to see participation in these virtual races grow with thousands of people signing up for free and running them, getting on the leaderboards, even winning prizes and race entries and so much good stuff. The next virtual race on the NYRR calendar is the virtual halfway there 13.1 miler. It kicks off on September 7th, and you can get it done anytime between then and October 13th. That's a lot of time to procrastinate. I recommend you go get it done. If you have a half marathon goal this fall, this is a great way to check it off. Or if you have a fall marathon on the calendar, this can serve as an excellent check-in or tune-up to see where you're at. The Virtual Race Series lets you be a part of the NYRR community no matter where you live. You've got questions, I've got answers. Go to nyrr.org slash virtual racing slash alley. That's just A-L-I at the end there. And learn more about the benefits of virtual racing and the amazing global New York Roadrunners community. That's nyrr.org slash virtual racing slash alley. Cool? Let's get back to the show. All right, let's talk a little bit about your training buddy. We associate Emily Sisson with Molly Huddle. You guys are, yeah. you know, the other we. Tell me about <laughs> that. How did you two become friends and training partners? Yeah, so I went to Providence College and my coach, Ray Tracy, co like coached Molly professionally at, at the time and he still does. Um, so when I graduated from college, I just joined that training group. It was like Molly, Kim Smith, um, actually I think it was just, so just the three of us, um, like Ashton Cuff joined later. Um, so I just kind of joined that group after I graduated college. So that's kind of how it came to be. 
And um, so lately, like the past year, it's definitely just been like I've been traveling a lot with her because we've been doing the same races, same buildups, um, same altitude stints. So we, we do spend a lot of time together. <laughs> so I, I do think it's a good thing we get on pretty well because um, it, if you didn't like the other person, it'd be really hard. <laughs> You're together so much. But luckily, like Molly's been a great, um, great influence and great like role model. She's helped me like learn the ropes. And so um, I feel like I learned a lot from her my first few years out of college. And now I feel like I'm at the point where I've learned a lot. And now I can be like, okay, well, Molly taught me all this. And now I know this works for Molly, but what works for Molly isn't always going to work for me. So now I kind of need to figure out what, what, what works best for me. Cause, um, every athlete's different. Like, um, what works for Molly didn't work for Kim or, um, like Roshin McGettigan or, uh, Mary Cullen, other girls that, um, or women that Ray coaches or coached. So, um, so I, I think I learned a lot about the professional running world from her. And now, um, and so, yeah, now I'm just trying to, with my husband, we've been figuring out what works best for us um, as well. All right. So for most of us, we have very different relationships with, say, our running buddies and with our coworkers. Like, I am very, very fine telling my running buddies, hey, I need a bathroom right this second. But I probably wouldn't say that to my coworkers. <laughs> but for you and Molly, you're kind of both. You're running buddies and yeah. in a sense, your coworkers. Where so where does your relationship oh. fall? Is it more on the running buddy side or more on the coworker side? How much are you talking about like needing bathrooms <laughs> on the run and how much is it okay, we hit that split onto the next? It definitely more day to day. It's just running buddies, (laughs) but, um, but then when it does come to workouts or like getting like logistics planning for like traveling for a race or something, that's when it's more coworker, um, ask, but definitely more day to day. It's just running buddies. (laughs) We, we wouldn't, um, because I think it'd just be too exhausting if we were constantly analyzing stuff. So, uh, (laughs) so when we're like, we're dialed in when we're doing a workout, but then when we're not doing a workout, it's like, it's not quite the same. It's more like just regular running buddies, I guess. (laughs) And what about when you're racing? Like, um, you know, at USATF championships last month, you two were both right up at the front, just absolutely gutting it out for those top spots. Is there an understanding that we're both in it to win it? There's no hard feelings. I'm not going to let you win. You're not going to let, like, what is that like when you're training buddies or training partners and competitors? Yeah, no, it's interesting. It it works really well for us. Like we do know like when we're on the start line, once the gun goes off, we're like, we're competing, like we're competing for the highest spot. Um, and more often than not, now we're trying to compete for the win London being the exception like lately. Um, but so I, there is that common understanding when we're training and we're working together, like we, we help each other out. But then, um, when we get on the start line, it's going to, we're like racing or racing each other. So, so yeah, it's, it's different. It's interesting, but I think we're just used to it. So it doesn't seem that strange. Um, but yeah, it, it, yeah. Once, when the gun goes off, we compete. And then when the race is over, it's just back to like training. All right. So I want to change gears just a little bit because you mentioned earlier when you were trying to figure out your fueling and all of that stuff, I'd love to talk a little bit about what your diet looks like. What have you found that really works for you to help perform at your best, both general eating and what does your nutrition look like during races, on the run, training runs, all that good stuff? Yeah. So with the marathon buildup, I definitely was hungrier than normal. Um, (laughs) I kept like saying to my, like every day I tell my husband like, oh, I need second lunch now. (laughs) Like I just need, I needed like four meals a day. Um, but then once I stopped marathon training, I didn't need that. Um, so we try to eat pretty healthy, um, for the most part, like pretty wholesome, like, uh, like a pretty wholesome diet, but like we're, I don't know. I, I think there's that like 80, 20 rule people talk about. I don't even know what the, our percentage would be, but like, um, but I, we eat pretty healthy the majority of the time, but then like, if I want a donut after like my long run or not even in my long run, just after any run, like if I just want a donut, I'll go get a donut. Um, or like if I want, like the other night, like I was really craving like ice cream. So we ordered this like ice cream cookie <laughs> off like DoorDash. Um, but for the most part, like we, uh, we do eat pretty wholesome. Um, we try, uh, our best to eat like, um, less processed foods. Um, so, and then just every meal I try to get in a protein, a carb and vegetables. Um, and whether it's like salmon with rice and like sauteed veggies, or I'm trying to think like, like a, a up here, I'll have more red meats, so like a burger with like a sweet potato or sweet potato fries that I make, um, and a salad, just something like that. Like I try to make sure you get, 
like all those food groups um, and, and healthy fats in there too. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. I think the one area we kind of slack in sometimes is we often, um, especially at the end of the marathon buildup when I was so tired, I like ordered probably too many meals on DoorDash. I was just like, I'm so tired. I don't want to cook. Um, and luckily in Phoenix, we have pretty healthy restaurants you can order from, but, um, we try to, I, I try to do like cooking at home a lot, um, and eat out not as much, but there are definitely times I'm not as good about that. <laughs> what do you do for housing when you're in Arizona? Yeah. So we have a place in Phoenix, but when, um, so when I go to Providence next week, um, I'll be staying with friends. Uh, I just like asked if I could rent a room out and they're like, and they're so great. They're really nice. So I'm, I'm excited to stay with them. Um, and then we often do Airbnbs. Um, we're actually staying at, we're up in Flagstaff right now. And we're staying in one of Stephanie Bruce's, um, houses. Um, it's not the one she lives in, but, um, she rents it out to athletes. So we're staying here. Um, and yes, yeah, so we just like, we just rent places out, do Airbnb, um, and yeah, it works pretty well every once in a while. I think we went to San Diego a couple months ago to escape the heat and we got like an Airbnb that wasn't super nice, but for the most part, um, we've gotten pretty lucky. <laughs> See, that's when you just call Meb and you're like, Meb, can we come and stay with your family? Yeah. Do you mind <laughs> if we crash? <laughs> yeah. My husband and my dog and I, yeah, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't mind. <laughs> so your dog is with you too? Yeah. It's awesome. Wait, how he did you travel with us? How did you get him out there? Well, so my husband drove across the country with him. Stop. Um, oh, my gosh. I know. Yeah. It was him. My dad did the drive, too. So him, my dad, and because um, I was, like, nervous about Shane doing the drive on his own. So I was like, is it okay if my dad comes with? Because um, my husband's from Ireland, and, like, him growing up, like, a long drive was, like, a 20-minute drive. Oh, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> um, so, like, like no one would really ever drive across the country, um, which, if you know, even if you did that, that would take, like, four hours. <laughs> so, um, so I'm like, ooh, this is going to be so long. Um, I don't know if you're, like, used to this kind of thing. Um, I was like, do you mind if my dad comes to you? And my dad was great. Um, he, it was him, my dad, and our golden retriever, Desmond. <laughs> The three of them just drove and I feel terrible. I just like flew across the country and met them. Um, no, that's yeah, the so, perk. That's the, yeah. I'm a professional athlete. Sorry, that would be too much for uh, me. I'll be yes. over here eating pancakes, waiting for you. I know. I love pancakes when I'm up at altitude. But yeah, no, I like somehow got out of unpacking too because I had a race that weekend and I got out of packing because something else came up. Um, so I feel really bad. Like he did everything with that move. Um, it's fine. He so, loves yeah, you. He, he's no. a trooper. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's been great, but no, it's, it's nice being able, uh, yeah, we traveled with our dog up here cause it's only a two and a half hour drive. So, um, so yeah, he just gets in the car and he goes with us. <laughs> that's awesome. See, that's the dream right there. Traveling everywhere with the dog. I know. Yeah. Can we just do this forever? <laughs> no, but we, we do like it. <laughs> All right. Tell me about your fueling on the run as you've moved up to the marathon. What have you found that works for you on race day? What are you, what are you putting in your bottles? Are you taking gels? What does that look like? Yeah. So for race day, race morning, I had a much bigger breakfast than I would normally have. Um, and I really did that whole carb loading thing for the marathon. Um, and I think I didn't do it super great. So that's something that I can work on the next time. <laughs> I was just, um, I was, I was like carbs, like, oh, I'll just have like pasta and like croissants. <laughs> like, just like, I, I probably was like, I don't, I didn't really know what I should be having. Um, so, uh, I was like, these are easy to eat, <laughs> um, but I'm not used to eating that much. Um, like I'll have pasta, but I'm not used to eating that much processed food. So I'm like, Ooh, I actually don't feel super great. Um, so I, for the marathon buildup, I did like that carbo loading the three days before, um, where you don't, you don't necessarily eat more food, but you replace more of like the protein and vegetables that you would have with dinner with just like carbs instead. And you'd still have some protein and vegetables, but, um, just the ratio would be a little different. Um, so I did that the three days, I think three or four days leading up to the marathon. And then for the marathon itself, I alternated bottles. I had, I'm trying to remember. So I think I mixed a gel in, maybe it was like, I had it down to like a science. I mixed like three fourths of a gel packet into a bottle of like four or six ounces of water. I can't remember, um, for one bottle. And the next bottle I think was just a drink mix. I'm trying to remember what I did. And then I took a caffeine bottle with where, well, what was it at? Where did I take? It was like 25 K maybe. 
I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I have it in my notes somewhere from talking to Meb. <laughs> but I was just going to say, like, did you think of Meb when you took the caffeine? Yeah, I did. And I actually was, uh, after I took it, I was like, oh, I wish I actually had another caffeine because I felt like I got like a, like some like boost of like, or like a second win from it. Cause I was like getting a little tired at that point. And I was like, oh, I kind of wish I had another one. <laughs> um, I just got like a, it just felt like a second wind. Um, and yeah, so I kind of alternated with bottles, what I mixed into them, but, um, I used, what did I use? Um, I use the Gatorade gels and, um, I've lately been trying that, uh, Morden. Um, I, I think, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but yeah. that one seems to be sitting pretty well. Um, but yeah, I think just like practicing bottles in, um, in like long runs or like tempos leading up to the race, or if, um, the race like has, uh, gels or like, um, or drink mixes they're handing out practice with those ones. So your stomach can get used to it. Um, because I think sometimes races do that. They'll give you gels and bottles of water um, if you don't have your own bottle at your drink station like the um, like the elite athletes have, I guess. Just practicing whatever they use would be my advice. All right. So you said you want to be running marathons for a long time, which I think is a <laughs> wonderful plan. What are some of the races you're dying to do? Do you have any dream <laughs> marathons? Yeah, it's hard because there's a lot of races I really want to do, um, but you can only do like two a year. So, so it's like, that's what's difficult. But um, the Olympic marathon would, is definitely up there. I'd love to do that one. <laughs> but the, on t- uh, but aside from that, um, trying to qualify for that, I would love to do, do New York. Um, like that one would be really special. I'd love to do Chicago, actually. Um, most of my family is from the Midwest, and I have a lot of family in Chicago. We'd spend, like, holidays there, so that would feel special to me because I love that city. Um, uh, but I also want to do Boston, and I want to do London again. <laughs> so, um, And then, I don't know, there's ones I'm, like, not even thinking of that, like, I know are meant to be really good. So, so yeah, I don't know. I just I want to do a lot of them, but you can only do so many. <laughs> yeah, but you're so. young. You got lots of time. You're going to be right, running yeah. marathons for a long time, is my guess. That hopefully, yeah. You never know. There are no guarantees with anything, but um, that I'd love to be able to keep racing and doing them because I really liked that first one. So, um, so yeah, I'd like to keep doing them. All right. Before we sprint to the finish, I have a couple big picture questions for you. First, I want to know. What has been the most rewarding part of your career so far? Uh, the most rewarding part. It's definitely just like I've met so many amazing people through running. I feel like people probably say this. It's probably like a cliche answer, but um, I've met so many people through through running. Like I met my husband through running, um, like my best friend through running. Like I've met so many incredible people. That's by far the best um, thing the sport's given to me, I'd say. All right. You come across to me as someone who's incredibly confident, very smart, all really good things, very humble. I need to know, do you have any insecurities or anything that rattles your confidence? I do. I'm trying to think of what, um, it's, it's funny. I, I don't know why, but I do feel more confident, um, on the roads than I do on the track. And it's always been that way. Um, and I don't know why, cause I've been doing the track longer. Um, and I wouldn't say I'm insecure on the track, but I just feel more confident in my like racing instincts and everything on the roads. So even though I've been doing track longer, um, I feel like I'm still outside my comfort zone a bit when I do like even the 5k this weekend. Um, like, it just, I feel like the roads come a little bit more naturally to me. So I think it's important though, to do those things that are outside your comfort zone a bit. Um, cause I could have just done London and then decided I didn't want to try to make the team for worlds. Cause coming back on the track was pretty hard on my, like my body didn't like kind of catch up with like my motivation in my mind right away. <laughs> um, so, um, but I do think it's good to go outside your comfort zone a bit. And I think sticking and doing track races and track work in the marathon buildup has actually helped me a lot because even in that marathon buildup, I was able to run a, uh, a personal best in the 10 K, which I never thought I would have done off marathon training. But, um, I think because I kept doing my like track intervals and I didn't get totally away from the speed work, um, that actually helped me in the marathon and helped me as a runner. So, um, yeah, I'd say don't shy away from the things you're not as confident about, um, or that are a little outside your comfort zone, just cause, um, I, I think it, it's good to like, not just put yourself in a bubble, I guess. <laughs> 
When you're doing road races, do you just feel like you have so much room to just like go all out with your stride as opposed to the track where your feet are all just like right on top of each other? That could be, I do love the freedom like of the roads. I don't know what it is. Um, Like I really love racing um, road races and I I do love the track too, but for some reason road races are like extra special. Um, so yeah, maybe it's that freedom. Maybe it's cause I'm like really short and I feel like I get boxed in on a track. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could mean, analyze it, but it wouldn't matter. So they're very tactical in their own it. way, but it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the track. I mean, I don't know how you do it on the track and just, I, I would just constantly be tripping and falling. I would be very much would be a, a risk factor on the track. Yeah. It's so funny. We were actually doing a workout the other night and my husband was pacing me and Molly and the reps felt so much easier to me. The ones where I was running right behind him and Molly was behind me, but I was like, no, I actually need to practice running behind you because for some reason our strides are so different and they just don't match up well. (laughs) And I'm like, I need to practice being like a little uncomfortable and getting used to running behind people whose strides are different because that's what racing on the track is like. So, um, so yeah, we both were like, yeah, we actually feel more comfortable being in front of the other person, but we need to work on, like, work on that, I guess. Um, so yeah, it, it was interesting. What are you proudest of? Oh, what am I proudest of? Um, I guess back in college, um, when we won NCAA cross country, that was, that still is one of, um, my proudest moments. Um, and then I'd say the London marathon, um, was also, I guess it's most recent in my memory, but, um, even though I was really lucky and I didn't really have many injuries that build up, I still had other stuff going on that wasn't ideal. And I feel like I handled that well and it made me like stronger. Um, so, so yeah, I think just like handling that whole build up, even though like I had some other stuff going on at the time that was distracting me a little bit at points. Um, I think like getting there and executing my race and like being confident in the training, I think that was something I was pretty proud of. All right. And then I need to know what's something that you're super into right now, like a book, a movie, a TV show. Is there something like in general that you're jazzed about right now? Um, what TV show? We were just watching something that was really good. What was it? Um, we, my husband and I are almost always like, binge watching some TV show. And I feel like there haven't been as many out lately. I feel like big little lies is the last one we watched. That one's really good. Yeah. (laughs) It was good. I love those kind. So, uh, that one's really good. If you like that one, Netflix came out with something really similar, uh, with Christina Applegate with that. Oh, dead to me. Yeah. That one's also, yeah, I love those. Okay. See, I haven't watched (laughs) that yet. So that one's good. If you like big little lies, you'll like that one. Okay. Um, Put it on my list. Yeah, I've been reading books. I actually have a book in front of me right now I just picked up, but I haven't started it yet, so I don't know if it it looks pretty good. Um, But it's called The Heart's Invisible Furies. Uh, My friend Rachel recommended it to me. Um, And I'm actually not sure what it's about. It's about, I know it's about like an Irish like orphan growing up, I think like in like the 40s or 50s and how, uh, I think it talks about how much Ireland has changed since then. And that's where my husband's from. So um, it's like a historical like fiction novel or something. So that one sounded interesting to me. So I picked that up, but I haven't started it yet. So I don't All right. So we'll have to do a yeah. follow-up episode in a couple yes. weeks where we see how the book was. We see how Doha yeah, went yeah. and we catch up on all that good stuff. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'll watch Dead to Me. You'll read a book and then Perfect. we'll be able to okay. catch up. Sounds all right. Good. Are you ready for our official sprint to the finish? Uh, yes, I am. What would your last meal on earth be? My last meal on earth. Ooh, can I like pick the location of it? Of course. Like, Okay. So I feel like I'd want to be somewhere like relaxing, probably just with my husband having like a nice meal. I don't know. I'm picturing Greece because that's where our honeymoon is. So maybe somewhere in Greece, like a nice meal, maybe like a nice like fish with like, like salmon or something, a glass of wine, just like something really relaxing like that. But the atmosphere makes it. (laughs) What is your favorite movie? Oh, favorite movie. I don't, I'm actually more of a TV show person. All right. Uh, Favorite TV show. <laughs> I can name like 10. Um, Big Little Lies is the last one I watched, so I'll say that. That's probably, no, sorry. Favorite movie, I suppose, would be Harry Potter. Um, love those movies, like ever since I was a kid. What is your biggest pet peeve? Ooh, what is my biggest pet peeve? I don't know. I'm trying to think <laughs> what someone has to do to annoy me. Um, I guess, hmm. I don't really know. I don't think I have one. Maybe I do. 
Uh, sorry, I'm so bad at this one. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. Sorry, I don't really have a huge pet peeve. No, that's good. You're not Maybe easily you... annoyed. I can think of like 40 off the top of my head, which I don't think is a good quality for me to Maybe have. it's like something driving related. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, probably something driving related. <laughs> <laughs> like someone cutting you off or something. Or, I don't know. <laughs> what about your greatest fear? My greatest fear. Hmm. I guess in running, I suppose it'd be not like being able to reach my potential. But I feel like that's like that that's um, what everyone wants in this sport is just to see if you can reach your potential. Um, and if you can do that, I feel like I could walk away at the end of the day when I retire being pretty content. All right. On a lighter note, where did you have your <laughs> first real kiss? Oh, God, I think it was at like it was probably like I think it was a middle school like um like one of those like middle school like parties when everyone's just hanging out together, like doing spin the bottle is so boring. <laughs> Listening <laughs> to my heart will go on. <laughs> uh, something like that, <laughs> like a lifetime ago. <laughs> I feel so old. <laughs> no, not at all. All right. Well, I can't picture you and your husband fighting about anything because you seem very blissfully happy, which I love. But because I ask this to everyone, uh, what is the last thing you and your husband fought about? It's definitely driving. We both like the way we drive just like irks the other person sometimes. Like, I don't know what it is. He thinks I'm a terrible driver. <laughs> and then sometimes I'll be like a backseat driver and I'm like, ooh, no, like you should like go around this car. <laughs> like, that's definitely the thing we probably would bicker about the most. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably the last thing we thought about. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> when you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, when I was really young, I actually loved soccer, so I wanted to be Mia Ham. Like I wanted Aww. to be like her. <laughs> if you could go for a nice, easy recovery run with anyone, just nice and easy, doesn't even have to be a runner, who would it be? Oh, it honestly would just be like my like probably would choose my sisters or like my best friend, like just people that I love hanging out with that I don't get to be with all the time. I have three sisters. Um, and actually, my best friend just moved to Arizona, so that worked out really well. Um, and so I'd probably choose like someone like them who I don't get to be around all the time, but I love spending quality time with. All right, now you get to pick anyone to pace you for your next race. Who do you choose? Oh, my husband. Oh, <laughs> of course. Choose him, yeah. <laughs> what can't you race without? Hmm, I'm not superstitious, so... Uh, just socks that I know will not give me a blister. Love that. <laughs> yeah, something like practical. <laughs> <laughs> what is something you think everyone should do at least once in their lives? Once in their lives. I think uh, I suppose traveling somewhere like just somewhere like somewhere on your bucket list that you've always wanted to go. Because I feel like especially with us, we like pushed off our honeymoon so much. I think like traveling somewhere special with someone special um, and like just experiencing something different. I don't know. I guess I love traveling. I, w I traveled with my mom after uh, London and that was really cool. So I do love doing that kind of stuff. Who was your childhood celebrity crush? Oh, um, oh, Justin Timberlake. I loved NSYNC. Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't a professional runner, what would you be? Um, I think, I don't know. I used to want to be a teacher, but I think now I'd still want to stay in the running world. Um, so probably something maybe in like the marketing or um, some other side of the sport, I'd probably choose to do. I'd love to stay in the sport of running somehow. What has been the best day of your life so far? Oh, getting married. That was perfect. We got married um, in my husband's hometown in Ireland, and it was just like perfect. The people there made it so fun and so special. Um, yeah, that was definitely the best day. Did you go for a run the morning of your wedding? I did. And I actually recommend it. <laughs> like my bridesmaids thought I was crazy, uh, or not, not all of them, <laughs> but some people thought I was crazy. Um, but like, I think it helps with like any kind of like, like, I don't know, pre wedding nerves. I just like, for me, just having that routine of going for like a light jog that morning, I think I went for like 20 minutes. Probably we were like staying, um, like near this really beautiful spot. So I just ran like along these trails with my, uh, with my friend and my sisters. <laughs> um, and it was just like kind of nice to help with the nerves and didn't sleep super well the night before. Cause there was actually a wedding the night before ours. And like, it was kind of crazy. So, uh, <laughs> heard this like couple get into this huge fight outside our window no. and I was like, couldn't fall asleep. Cause I had to find out how it was going to end. <laughs> Wait, not the couple that got married. 
No, it wasn't. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> that would not have been a good so, sign. I didn't sleep super well, and I was like, oh, let's just go for a run. <laughs> just, um, so, yeah, no, I actually recommend it. <laughs> what one word do you want to be remembered by? Uh, I guess eh, maybe genuine. Oh, I like, like that. The one that comes to mind. All right, we like to wrap things up here with a nice confidence boost. Tell me three <laughs> things that you love about yourself. Oh, about myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a tricky one. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> I know. You have to think of something good but not sound super cocky. No, sound super cocky. That's <laughs> the whole thing. Think. Own it. I love that I I learned through the marathon buildup. I can work pretty hard um, and I can be pretty resilient. I do love that. I do try to see the best in people. Um, and uh that's something I like and I like I guess my lifestyle I said that earlier I like the life we live like traveling with my husband and uh, my dog everywhere and just getting to do my dream job all right the last thing I need from you give everyone listening a reason to run today oh it's just (laughs) get outside and just like enjoy your surroundings that's something that I was doing today with my friend Rachel um like we're running this beautiful spot like um, and it just felt very therapeutic, I suppose. So I ignore the watch, ignore the splits, just go out there and um, just like enjoy just being outside. <laughs> I love that. Emily, you are an absolute force to be reckoned with. I am so excited for the year that you've had and can't wait to see what next year and the following years bring and wishing you all the luck in the world, all the strength, all the goodness. Keep doing what you're doing. It's a joy to watch. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out with Emily and me today. She is an absolute force on the running scene. I mean, clearly you just heard all of that. And I cannot wait to keep following her career and cheering her on. If you love this episode and you're enjoying what you're getting here, show some love. Head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review for the Alley on the Run show. And remember, you can find and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Alley on the Run 1 and on the Alley on the Run Facebook page. Thank you again to the New York Roadrunners Virtual Halfway There 13.1 Miler for sponsoring this episode. Go register today and run your half marathon anytime between September 7th and October 13th. Learn more and register for free at nyrr.org slash virtual racing slash alley. That's nyrr.org slash virtual racing slash alley. Here's to health and happiness for us all. And thanks for joining me on the run.